Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week, we are so happy, thrilled, and honored to welcome back our very special friend, Jennifer Edwards of ThankGoddess.org, who's going to be talking to us about all sorts of interesting, intriguing, challenging, and positive trends coming up in the stars. Thank you for coming on, Jennifer. Well, thank you for having me again, you guys. This is uh, always wonderful to be able to share what's going on in the sky. Well, we love the way you break things down so easily for the non-astrologer to understand. And so we'd love it if you could just start us off with these major eclipses coming up very soon. Well, it's really exciting because you know, as we're taping today, we're 10 days away from eclipse season. And as you know, with all eclipse seasons, we feel this powerful energy and we have been feeling it for about the past month. And I think those of you listening are shaking your heads because as sensitive people pick up on this dynamic, as we move into this eclipse season, we are actually changing sign axis, which means that um, the, the signs of the eclipses are changing. And with that means that the North Node or the true lunar node is changing signs as well. So the, the lunar node has been in Gemini and is now changing signs to Taurus. Whenever we look at the lunar node in our birth chart, it indicates where the eclipses were when we were born. So that's an interesting fact. And the lunar nodes are our direct sole purpose points. So it's what we're supposed to be doing in this lifetime in our birth chart. As a collective, wherever the lunar node is located, that's sort of what we're embracing during this eclipse season. And then wherever the south node, which is directly opposite of the north node, is located, this is what we're letting go of. So as we move into the Taurus-Scorpio eclipse season, we are embracing security. We are embracing our need for um, having some sort of stability but we're also trying to let go of doing things in a fixed manner with blinders on. With the south node located in Scorpio, we are looking at our insecurities and um, our ability to be fully seen for who we are, our true needs. And it's a very interesting axis to move into because we will be leaving the Gemini Sagittarius nodal points which is, you know, looking at, um, looking at the bigger picture, but also seeing the details. And so I think very much over the last two years, we've been paying attention to details and letting go of um, kind of, you know, pull, putting everything into one pot and really kind of assessing it. As we move into the first eclipse of the season, we're going to have it on November 19th. And I know all of us are feeling it now. It's going to be at 27 degrees Taurus. We want to look back to what was going on around May 11th of this year. Even though May 11th was the new moon in Taurus and it was not an eclipse, it is the new moon that is connected to this lunar eclipse. So anything that was going on over the last six months starting at that point, you're going to see a culmination of that. Uh, we're going to be seeing uh, direct hits and insights on how to move forward in this area. After this eclipse, we will be experiencing the last eclipse in Sagittarius Gemini axis, which will be on December 4th at 12 degrees Sagittarius. The last time we experienced these eclipses, with all eclipses, we want to look back to 19 years ago. So as we wrap up the cycle of Sagittarius Gemini, we're really looking at the dates of the year, you know, 2001 through 2003, because this is sort of the cycle that's coming back. Eclipses bring back cycles. They allow us to become aware of patterns or identities that we're stuck in over time. So if we assumed another identity, you know, becoming a mother, or if, if we're repeating things, we start to get the same flavor coming back over and over again. This is an opportunity for massive growth and also an opportunity to really dig deep down inside to see where uh, our, you know, our motives are coming from, are they coming from authenticity or are they, are they, are they coming from a place of insecurity? This is all about really deep soul work that really never ends, but it also brings us to a level of, uh, evolving, uh, so we can go and, and, and comprehend the next, the next level of our soul journey. 
So now this is just a really basic question because I've been feeling a lot of those things that you just described. And I've been journaling about a lot of those things. Is it similar to when you have the shadow period of Mercury retrograde that you start to go into it sooner? It, like, are we building up towards this December 4th shift? Yes. And actually, we've been building up uh, to this shift over the last month or so. When the node changes signs, as the node is is preparing to do, uh, it's moving from Gemini to Taurus. So it's very different energy. And Gemini is, is an air sign. It's uh, a mutable sign, and uh, it's a very uh, intellectual, analytical sign. And when it moves into Taurus, which is fixed energy, we start looking for, you know, rather you know, ha having things in the intellectual mind, moving it into the internal home of security. When we're talking about, you know, feeling the energy moving when the, when the nodes move, it's almost like we're shifting our focus. I also want to note, too, that uh, we have been experiencing this year heavy uh, aspects to the planet Uranus, which is uh, currently transiting Taurus. Uh, Uranus is the higher vibration of Mercury. So if Mercury is our planet of communication, Uranus is our planet of higher communication. It's very electric. It, it's sudden change. And it wants us to embrace um, uh, you know, the unexpected. And that's how, you, that's how we work with the energy. But when we have lunar contacts to this, it's a complete dissolution of our emotional control. So, so we kind of are, we, we kind of are very reflective on why we're feeling frenetic energy. Uh, you know, how can we stay grounded? And so people who are very sensitive, uh, empathic people, we are feeling this energy ahead of time as if something big has happened, is going to happen, or maybe, um, you know, what is the ball going to drop kind of feeling, but that's really looking into the future. And Uranus really wants us to be uh, in the present, believe it or not. With this, with this forward moving eclipse axis that's going to be occurring until 2023, we are going to be having direct contacts with Uranus energy. So it's sudden flashes of insight, um, you know, sudden upheavals of security uh, because Taurus is a very security minded sign. It's ruled by Venus. Uh, but the lesson in that is knowing what, what do we value as security? Do we need security from the outside or does that really come from the inside? So we are definitely feeling all of this shifting energy and it is making us go way deep within. So we can, we're trying to find a place to ground is, is, is what I'm finding with my clients. So eclipses tend to eclipse things out of our life, correct? They can do uh, one of two things. They can eclipse things into your life and they can eclipse things out of your life. Two theories, uh, you know, is illumination is the first one. And the second theory is keeping things behind closed doors, not having all of the information. The idea is to skate in, in between the, those two theories. So when we are moving in our authentic self, not kind of wondering what cards the other is playing or, or, or how things might work out, we, when we honor our, our direct impulses, the doors seem to open a lot faster. Okay. So this first eclipse coming up on the 19th, it's going to echo something that started around May 11th? Yes. So, you know, whatever projects were started at that point. Also, if, if there was an issue that came up and you tried to sweep it under the rug, it wants to come up for resolution. So full moons, especially lunar eclipses are about, they are about endings, but they're also about transformation from one cycle to another, meaning uh, an ending of something that existed and then continuing on to something in a completely different form. A, a good example would be if you if you're in a relationship, it would move to the next level. It would no longer be just dating. It's now becoming a serious relationship. So it can change from one form to another. It's uh, like a period of evolution. Uh, as for endings, uh, you know, something that, that perhaps maybe is no longer serving you, this would be the opportunity where it would come to your attention in, in a very profound way that, that this is no longer appropriate. And so that therefore would be eclipsed out. Okay. And then the one in December is going to echo things we were working on 
from 2001 to 2003. Am I hearing that correctly? So the, the patterns repeat themselves every 19 years. So we actually had a solar eclipse in Dece on December 4th, 2000 and 2003. So it, it, it's kind of astounding how astrology meets up exactly at specific times. So if you look back to that period of time, the winter of 2003, you are going to see a similarity of flavors, uh, you know, the, why you chose certain things, you know, you know, what were the reasoning behind that? Did you choose it for security or did you choose it for authenticity? So we'll have that kind of theme coming. The direct influence of this particular eclipse this year on December 4th is going to echo back to uh, May 28th when we had the lunar eclipse in Sagittarius. So we're kind of wrapping up the axis of Sagittarius Gemini on December 4th. When we end an axis on a solar eclipse, which is an intensified new moon, it sets the stage for the next 19 years. So whatever we've learned through 2020, through, through 2021, all the changes and the metamorphosis that we've had in that area of our life where the, where the eclipse cycle impacted us, uh, it gives us a new springboard to move forward with our new lessons. So it's a very exciting time for the December solar eclipse that we're going to experience. How long was Gemini in the North Node? So Gemini moved, well, the North Node moved into Gemini in, uh, in 2020. So it was, it was right before we, had the, we started the Gemini-Sagittarius eclipse cycle. The lunar node follows the eclipse cycle. So if you look back to where the eclipses were by sign, then you know that that's where the lunar node was located. Got it. Okay. I just find that fascinating because Gemini is also the sign of communication and communication this last year and a half has seemed a little wobbly. Like you don't really know what to think about some stuff going on. Absolutely. So whenever we talk about Gemini, we're looking at precise communication. And also, uh, there's always two sides. I always think of the lover's card. The lover's card, you know, brings, invokes feelings of love, but there's always a decision that needs to be made. So when we look at Gemini, it's about internal decisions, even though it affects the collective. Sagittarius is very much about the collective. But if we choose something and we sit on it and we intellectualize it and figure out what's best for us, then it kind of opens up, you know, a ripple effect to the world around us, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. And now we're moving into Taurus, which is more grounded and stable, but it can also be really stubborn, right? Very stubborn because it's a fixed sign. So, and I embrace all my fixed sign friends. I have a lot of fixed energy, which, you know, I'm learning very much about. And over the next uh, two years, while we're experiencing this eclipse cycle in Taurus and Scorpio, both fixed signs, we're going to see where we are wearing our blinders. Uh, Taurus, with the North Node moving into Taurus, it is very much about what we consider security, what we need for security, and whether we actually need those things. If we're dependent on things outside of ourselves, it we're definitely going to become very aware of that. The idea is is that after the after the node moves out of Taurus, we will be experiencing a sense of settledness, internal security, and home with inside ourselves. I love that. This always, always, always correlates with what's been coming up with readings for time frame, and for a lot of people right now, they're feeling nudge. They're feeling there's something more coming. I need to get ready. And what the timeline that keeps coming up over and over is use these next couple of months to really get clear on what you want to do for yourself. What do you want to bring into your life? What do you want to experience? And not in a selfish or an egotistical way, but more in a getting ready for this next phase. So that correlates beautifully with what you were just saying. Yes. And, and when we talk about Taurus, we also have to talk about Scorpio. And Scorpio, the natural ruler of the eighth house, Pluto is the ruler of Scorpio. Pluto is very much about transmutation, death and rebirth, uh, physical and metaphorical. Uh, you know, the, the phoenix rising from the ash. Uh, Scorpio is our inner skeleton. It's who we really are. The eighth house is about emotional intimacy, sexual intimacy, you know, um, being fully intimate on all levels without fear. So when 
Scorpio's involved, which it is, it is really allowing us to understand the, you know, deep patterns of uh, expression that we have, what we are actually trying to protect, and and why why are we fearful of being fully exposed? And this is a, an intense time for shadow work, but I will guarantee at the end of this whole cycle, the transformation uh, is going to be just remarkable. That's very welcome news. Yeah, yeah. It, I, you know, I'm a, I have a lot of Scorpio energy and I actually crave this because without it, there, without this uncomfortable, if there's some uncomfortableness, there is no, it, everything becomes stagnant. And, and, and stagnancy doesn't allow us to continue on our journey. Uh, Scorpio and Taurus, uh, when, they, when they work together in an axis, it creates this sense of security and deep understanding for who we are. And it's, it's really important to, to have this energy and a lot of psychic energy over the, you know, whenever we talk about Scorpio in the eighth house, we're talking about, you know, our psychic window. We're talking about divination practice. We're talking about deeper medi mediumship because it's all involved in the eighth house. And Taurus owns the second house of security, self-worth, prosperity. And we all know that prosperity is a direct reflection of our own self-worth. And so these are really the themes that are going to come into play over the next two years. Now, you said that we're heading into a pretty positive new year in terms of planets what did you call it? Positive anti-retrograde or something? Yeah, we have our, in 2022, we have a big uh, window of all, of all planets direct, which is a wonderful time to start new projects. It's a, I call it the sexy window. It's the sexy window of all systems go. Um, we'll be experiencing that from uh, February 3rd, 2022 until uh, May 2022. Uh, we'll have a Mercury retrograde ending on February 3rd and then another one coming in in May. So we have, you know, like a four month window where all of our lovely planets are going to all be going forward. So it's spring is going to be a wonderful time to kind of incorporate everything that happens over the winter. Prior to this happening in 2022, after eclipse season, we have the eclipse season energy, but then we move into the final square of Uranus and Saturn. Now, Uranus and Saturn is a 44-year cycle, and it began in uh, 1988, in February of 1988, at 27 degrees Sagittarius when they first met each other in the sky. They next meet each other in Gemini at 27 degrees in uh, 2032, beginning a new cycle. So, when we deal with this cycle of Uranus and Saturn and their lovely dance in the sky, it's really about skating in the middle of the energy, very much like I was talking about with the eclipses. And when we skate with the in between the energy of these two enormous bodies, we want responsible freedom, uh, cautious innovation, uh, liberation from routine, and challenging the tried and true. Saturn's very much about the tried and true, uh, you know, uh, about building structures and being safe. And Uranus is just the opposite of that. And so when you have these two mighty bodies in the sky competing for uh, the soul energy, we start, I mean, this, not, not your soul's energy, but the energy dominance, uh, you have this feeling of push-pull, and that's what we've been experiencing through all of 2021 with the first square being on February 17th, the second square being on June 14th, and then the final square will be on December 24th this year, and it will actually be the tightest, most strongest square. The things that we'll probably experience, A, is a culmination of, of those experiences on, on, the, on those dates that I just mentioned coming to a head that day. But also, uh, this is really looking at uh, self vs what you're willing to, it's sort of like what you're willing to give. It, this whole cycle is very much about 
stepping out in authenticity. And I, I know I talk about this a lot, but it's very much the flavor of the year and doing things with, with the idea of self-preservation, but also in your own self-worth and honesty. So when we have this massive event on the 24th after the eclipse season, we are definitely ready to move forward in 2022. So as we move into uh, the all systems go, the direct window, we're going to be really looking at a clean slate, you know, dusting our hands off of the ties that bound us before. And I am so looking forward to 2022, you know, obviously because of the numerology, but also because we have a very beautiful, special aspect in March. On March 17th, um, we're going to be experiencing a Neptune conjunct Jupiter, which is super important. And I'll explain to you why. Each planet has a, has a sign ruler. So the historical ruler of Sagittarius is is Jupiter. And also the historical ruler of Neptune is Jupiter as well, because we hadn't discovered Neptune. And the modern day ruler of uh, Pisces is Neptune. So the two rulers of, of Pisces are, are going to be meeting in, in Pisces for the first time since uh, 1856. When these two come together, it's, it's going to be a spiritual moment of compassion, of artistic uh, uh, creation, of it's if you want to look at it as a blanket of spirituality this is a massive spiritual experience that as a collective we have never seen because it didn't exist in our our lifetime but the the ability to open here is spiritually and 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 psychically bountiful. I, I mean, I can't, I don't even have words to express how beautiful this aspect is and how lucky we are to experience this, especially after the last two years of um, what we have been experiencing through just everything that's happening on the world stage. This is a welcome window of spirituality, love, music, art that is about to flood us. And it, just picture a golden blanket. So incredible and, and hopeful. And I think that's what so many of us are looking for right now is a sense of hope because it has been, again, on a global level, probably one of the most trying times in more decades than we, we wanted to speak of. So what else should people be aware of coming up? Well, and, and also I, I want to kind of note that if, if you're familiar with your birth chart, uh, you want to look at where 23 degrees Pisces is located in your birth chart, what house it's located in, because this is where this conjunction is going to be experienced. And this is where you're going to see the most growth. Uh, as we're moving in through this energy, we are going to be touching back on Samantha's question about, uh, about eclipsing things out of your life. This is going to be a uh, big time of, of judgment, of you know, personal, uh, personal resources, uh, internal resources, uh, where we want to go, where we want to be, and, and staying directly in the present to make those decisions. The energy that we have presented to us uh, is very, is very wonderful energy to to be able to do deductive reasoning. Staying in the present is important because we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and look at the outcomes. Uh, how we navigate this energy internally is where we're going to find our successes. So between now, November, through the holidays, we are really going to be purging what we no longer need. And that's going to come from a soul level as well as a physical level. You know, do you really need the big house with the three cars because the Joneses down the street have it? Or, you know, can you, can, can you, can you utilize your most precious resource, which is time and, and get rid of these things and have more, uh, t more time to yourself and your family and be rich in that way. That we're going to be going through a lot of reasoning, emotional reasoning, physical reasoning, and materialistic reasoning over the next, you know, three months. Okay, so I feel like for some people this could go one of two ways. Then, 
if you are focusing on what is really true and authentic and makes you happy, then this holiday season could be incredibly joyous. But if you're resisting this and you're going through all this deep soul searching during these eclipses in this tight square during the holiday season with all of your family around, it could be very stressful. Yes, it all boils down to, you know, spiritual authenticity or egoic movement. And there, there's really, you know, most of us are trying to, to define, you know, what the difference is between the two. Ego is great. We needed to clean ourselves. We needed to eat. But when we start making decisions for others and for ourselves, based in that place, our spirituality is out the window. When, when we make uh, decisions based on ego, it's, it's, for, uh, it's for control. It, it always is. Uh, it's controlling the situation. So if we come into this holiday season and we're going to control the situation to to make ourselves feel better, it's not going to work out great. If we go into this holiday season, you know, giving from a place of pure love without the expectation of receiving, it's going to be the most beautiful, joyous time. I do want to mention that uh, Venus is, has moved into Capricorn. It moved into Capricorn on November 5th, and it's going to be there until until March, until March 6th. It will be there for so long because we will be experiencing a Venus retrograde, which happens every 16 months. The last time we had a Venus retrograde was back in uh, May to June of 2020. The reason why I bring this up, because, because you brought up the holiday season, is because Venus is our planet of love, beauty, and prosperity. And one of the things you really want to focus on is, are you giving gifts to show your appreciation of love, or are you giving gifts to buy love? And the reason why I kind of point this out is because when Venus goes retrograde, we really want to watch out for overspending going crazy with the material things. Because when are those credit card bills due? They're due in January for Christmas, and we will still have Venus retrograde until January 29th. So overspending is going to be a big thing because perhaps bonuses that we normally would receive may not appear. Uh, sources of income may, be, may change a little bit. Uh, you know, really looking at, you know, is it better to get together with others and share our love rather than to have a Black Friday Christmas? Uh, with Venus and Capricorn, it's very much about traditions. It's very much about um, reconnection. And so this will turn out as a very lovely holiday season when we give from the heart and the soul. That's wonderful advice. And on a superficial level, isn't it true that you shouldn't like get a new hairstyle or try a funky new facial or anything like that during a Venus retrograde? So during Venus retrogrades, we really want to be cognizant of changing anything to do with our appearance because it's not the greatest, because it's the planet of beauty, it's not the greatest time to, uh, to try something new, especially uh, cosmetic procedures. If you are going to get, you know, if you're going to get some sort of aesthetic procedure done, I would get it done before the eclipses on November 19th, to be honest with you, you know, any kind of plastic surgery. I, I bring this up because uh, uh, Neptune is the higher vibration of, of Venus and Neptune is the, is the great anesthetizer. So if you can help not having surgery during this time, that really is the best, obviously, you know, go with, with your medical provider. But if you can schedule something, I would wait until after that. Uh, as for, uh, as for, you know, cutting bangs, it's the same rules that apply with Mercury retrograde. But one thing to note that I really enjoy about Venus retrograde is that it's the reflection of our love language. How do we communicate our love to the people around us? We will also see an influx of, of loves from the past, reminiscing about how we could have done things better, how we can apply this to our life, or even for some, you know, some of us who, who are lucky enough, uh, I say that with a little sarcasm, we will be seeing ghosts from Christmas past. So don't be surprised if you hear from people, uh, the, you know, our exes from the past re-emerging. Uh, reunite, reuniting with exes from the past, highly recommend waiting until Venus goes direct to make sure that, that they're, that they're uh, uh, walking their talk, if, if uh, so to speak, because, because uh, during this time, the lip service is, is much higher, if that makes sense. 
Okay, so we've got these eclipses, then we have this square, Venus retrograde, and then when we start the new year on, I think, the 14th, we have Mercury retrograde. Yeah, so Mercury will be retrograding as soon as we start. So we'll have Venus retrograde, we'll have Mercury retrograde in January, and then Venus will go direct on the 29th and mercury will go direct on february 3rd so there's going to be a lot of and this will be an aquarius which is also an air sign very much about communication so this is going to be a reflection on how we communicate in in love because both of these bodies will be retrograde uh and more so you know are we able to communicate our emotions in a way where people can understand them so are we coming from an emotional point of view are we able to break it down uh, into an intellectual. So it's, it's very much uh, about intellectualizing our emotions so other people can comprehend us. As we move into this year and we have this energy, it's sort of like tying up a bow to move into this open window of all planets direct for four months. So it's going to be a massive release of our expectations of love, our expectations of what we need and knowledge in order to feel love and accepted. And, and also, how do we talk to ourselves? How are we loving ourselves? Uh, our internal dialogue around that, that's going to be a huge awakening moment during the beginning of 2022. So would you say that February 3rd to, to May would be a good time to join the dating pool or commit deeper if you're already in a relationship or start a new business or get married or look for a new job? Absolutely. I would say all the energy from this point until February 3rd is preparing us to walk through that doorway. And the reason why, in, in going back to uh, Denise's question, the reason why we're feeling all of this is because it's time to let this stuff go. It's time to let go of the things that our ego thought we needed. It's time to really embrace what our true soul, our soul's purpose has been whispering to us over over the last two years over our lifetime and as we shake this energy down and clear ourselves february 3rd to may 10th everything is possible we're walking in with a clean slate and a a directive and objective that comes from a purposeful point of uh, receiving by giving you know basically uh by showing up in your authentic form in all the right ways, uh, we receive and we always will without fear because fear is always what keeps us back. And if we look over our shoulder, this is exactly what's been building yeah. since the pandemic started and Absolutely. even prior to that. And it's been gaining momentum over these last several months, almost like a wave that's coming in. And now it, it seems like, as with everything else, people are either embracing this or they're, they're trying to hang on so tightly to what was that they're not allowing what wants to come into their lives to manifest. Exactly. And, and as we move into February, uh, February 3rd, those are the constructs that are going to be shaken. So like Samantha had indicated, you know, if you go into this holiday season and, and you're and you're doing the work and, and you're really reflective on your impulses and why you're reacting and, uh, you know, it's going to turn out much different than if you are holding on to things that you're not willing to let go of. The universe has a way of directing you on your path in perhaps a not so subtle way. <laughs> versus a subtle way we all end up in the same place and and what that means is that you know we have course correction and course correction can come in an abrupt way or course correction can come in in a very easy gentle guided way and so with this energy there is a course correction energy that's going to happen and it's and it's okay because know that we're here for a reason we're here for a purpose and it's time to let go of you know the things that we think we need and you'll be surprised at at what is still standing next to you when when we don't have a white knuckle grip on it that's a really good way of putting it so for us people who aren't astrologers and lean more towards say tarot you mentioned the lovers card would you describe this eclipse season 
I don't know, when I first started reading about it online, I thought, oh, we're heading into tower card energy. But mm. listening to you, I feel like, no, that's not that's not it. What what major arcana card would you compare this eclipse season to? So if I were to look at the Scorpio uh Taurus axis, you know, that would be the major arcana death card. And uh and for for me, I mean, you could look at the Hierophant. But I, I kind of am looking more at the Empress energy because, you know, Empress is this juicy energy. It's very Venusian and, you know, Taurus is uh, a Venusian sign. Uh, but if you want to look at it from death perspective to Hierophant perspective, that's kind of the axis we're looking at. We're looking at security and completely letting go. What are we holding on to that we think we need to feel secure uh, versus, you know, uh, complete letting go, transformation, transmutation. As for Gemini Sagittarius, the lover's card is very much, I, I mean, if you look at it from uh, in, in, more of an astrological perspective, because each card has their own astrological significance, uh, Gemini is very much about being uh, making a choice, double-sided, uh, you know, over-analytical and making a choice. Sagittarius is the temperance card. So, but it's also Jupiter rules the wheel of fortune. So we're we're bringing you know when we look at those energies, when we let go of of uh, what we think we need to feel secure, and really all we need is within us. There is a transmutation into the death card uh, from one state of being into another. As we move out of the Sagittarius Gemini eclipses, we're looking at deep healing within you know being able to answer our own questions, being able to make choices that we we don't we don't have to make choices based on what the collective wants us to do it's 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 th this whole eclipse cycle between gemini and sagittarius since 2020 is is me versus us are you always placating to make everyone else happy by not honoring what you think you need to do and gemini wants you to make a decision that is going to you know be solid for yourself in your intellectual mind uh regardless of of what the collective wants you to do does that make sense yeah it really does it's about making making a decision based on the facts not necessarily what your heart is telling you you need to do well that but also have you ever felt pressured to do something because everyone else is doing it sure and that is very much about the the gemini sagittarius axis because sagittarius is is the collective broader thinking uh gemini is your own individual perspective and with the north node in gemini it's saying pay attention to your perspective where is it coming from uh you know is it authentic to you and you know don't feel pressure to you know jump off a bridge if all your friends are jumping off a bridge kind of thing it's important to understand why you're doing things on in an intellectual point of view but also to really honor your impulses that come through your, your own course direction that comes through regardless of the support that you have around you yeah yeah that does make a lot of sense and i would also ascribe the empress energy to the sexy window you talked about coming yes up in yes. february Yes, yes, very much so. And, and it ends in May. So, you know, planting the seeds, getting ready to to really start to get the harvest, you know, uh, here in the Northeast, uh, in the Northern Hemisphere in Maine, uh, that's the that's the seed catalog time. We start planting the garden. What are we going to what are we going to what are we going to grow this year? And and so we start our seedlings and uh, that's very much Empress energy. Uh, over that three-month window of getting our garden ready, turning the soil, and uh, seeing seeing what we can uh, seeing what we can grow and harvest over the next year. Well, you mentioned this Neptune conjunct Jupiter on March seventeenth as a time for artistic and Pisces energy. So it would be a great time to for artists and writers and actors and performers and things. But I think it would also be a great time for psychics, mediums, intuitives, and empaths, because doesn't Pisces kind of not rule over that world, but isn't it also part of that? So Pisces rules the, the 12th house of, so in, in the astrological wheel, there are 12 houses and each astrological sign naturally owns a house. Uh, regardless of what you have in your own natal chart, it, it's the basic vibration of that house is owned by the sign that that is assigned to it. 
And one of the psychic houses, which are the water signs, uh, the fourth house is Cancer, the eighth house is Scorpio, and the twelfth house is Pisces. The twelfth house is, is uh, the spirit leaving the body. It is uh, angels. It's Christ consciousness. It's death before rebirth, meaning this is when our the soul body leaves the body. Pisces energy doesn't like to feel pain. They're very empathic. They pick up on their energy sponges because uh, there is no barrier, and that's the very much the 12th house energy. This is the time to have these two bodies, Jupiter's expansion and Neptune is the higher vibration of uh, Venus, which is ultimate love, universal love, uh, being love drunk, being completely anesthetized. So it raises our vibration to a place of spiritual and soul expansion. As for psychic intuitive abilities, the 12th house is the house of the subconscious. It's dreams, it's patterns, uh, deep, deep psychological patterns coming to the surface. So the work that can be done here is uh, enormous in regard to psychic development, in regard to spirit, spiritual development, in regard to invoking the muse, you know, not having barriers or intellectual constructs to sort of cage those expressions. You know, if someone had this conjunction at 23 degrees Pisces in their 10th house, uh, this is going to be a massive spiritual expansion of your business or of your career. You know, if this were to happen in your 12th house, this is going to be a huge spiritual and psychic awakening. Uh, same thing with uh, the ninth house of spirituality and being the teacher. So wherever 23 degrees Pisces lands in your chart, this is going to set the stage for, I mean, you think the, over the last 140 years, this is going to be a, a massive spiritual awakening where you will foresee, feel, download, um, experience uh, the divine energy in a very basic way, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to say. That doesn't sound basic. That sounds really big and important. But oh, you it's so it big and important. <laughs> it's so big and important. I mean, if you could see my face when I talk about this particular conjunction, uh, my I, I I almost begin to cry. It's it's like a rebirth, a much needed one. Oh, so much needed, and and during a very beautiful time in 2022, and you know, it, and Denise can can uh, attest to this. You know, 2022 is a you know, six vibration. And we have the, we have the, it is the time of the, the lover's card. So however you interpret that card, this is the energy that we're working into. You know, we're totally walking in, working in, and it, it's going to be a wonderful year next year. We just got to get through and really listen to our, our souls over the next three months and, and figure out how we're moving forward and, and, and what we need and what we need to release. So it sounds to me like if you've had a dream on the shelf or a goal that you've been putting on the back burner for years, this is the time to truly dust it off and start breathing life into it. Yes. And breathing life into it and also sit with it. See how it makes you feel. Is this something that you find yourself doing and it feels like a half an hour, but three hours have passed because that's when the vortex opens up. When we're so in love and with what we're doing, no matter what it is, and we experience so much joy that time doesn't exist. Uh, those are the things that we are going to gravitate towards over, you know, uh, the next three months, and the things that are holding us away from that experience are no longer going to have the level of importance that they once did. Just sort of a, a different question, but we get it a lot on our Enlightened Empaths Gmail. I have read, and I shared a couple of times in the podcast, and I wanted to ask you if this is true. If you were born during a Mercury retrograde, isn't it true that it will not affect you the same way a Mercury retrograde affects other people? Yes, that is true. So, when you have natally, when you have Mercury retrograde natally in your chart, that means that you actually uh, function higher during a transit Mercury retrograde. So that a transit retrograde is when it's happening in present day, uh, because that's sort of like your intellectual language. Mercury is our planet of communication. Wherever it's wherever it shows up in your birth chart, uh, it, it indicates how you communicate. 
uh, where your communication skills lie, like what areas in life you best communicate in, and also your level of comprehension. So when we experience a Mercury retrograde, it's almost like a, a window of absolute clarity and understanding for people who have it retrograde natally. It's not that that people who have retrograde natally aren't functioning members of society when Mercury is direct in transit. What it means is that they are able to kind of cut through the chaos going on internally to be able to get clear, concise impulses and ideas. I find when I'm reading natal charts that if someone has Mercury retrograde natally in their chart, that that they're always second guessing their thoughts, their decisions. They're usually unable to, to make decisions quickly because they need to really weigh the pros and cons. So if you take that same energy as in the birth chart when Mercury's retrograde transit, it's almost like a window of moving forward for these people. Is that true for other retrogrades, like a Venus retrograde, for example? Yes. So Venus retrograde in the natal chart has a propensity of uh, withhold, not withholding love, but kind of keeping th- keeping the cards close to the chest. Their expression of love is not as impulsive. They tend to uh, approach those things with, with uh, prosperity, security, and love and beauty uh, with apprehension, uh, you know, the inability to make decisions, I suppose, solid decisions that resonate deep with them. When Venus retrogrades in transit, it's every 16 months. So it's, it's, it's a much bigger window. So as the planets get farther away from the sun, their significance and engagement with a retrograde transit uh, tend to get less strong if that if that uh, if that makes sense. So, if, like, say, if you have Jupiter retrograde in your natal chart or Saturn retrograde in your natal chart, those types of instances, as it moves away from the personal planets, it has a a, a much looser hold on that. But when your natal planet is retrograde and in transit, that same planet goes retrograde. There are mo- it's a moment of clarity. It's an unlocking of clarity for that area of your birth chart. Wow, that is so interesting. And so if you guys are listening to this going, well, I want to know, you can Google planets retrograde in 1980 or whatever year you were born and and you can find it there. Yes, there's a ton of ephemeris uh, information, also eclipse information. If you want to see what was going on uh, 19 years ago, but you're unsure of the dates, uh, you know, going back and looking back in time and seeing how cycles kind of add up is probably one of the most enlightening, mind-blowing experiences uh, that you can have is to see how these things truly are connected to each other. Is it always the opposite? In regard to? Well, like if Uranus is retrograde when you were born, would that mean the opposite of Uranus direct? So if Uranus is retrograde when you're born, your flashes of brilliance are not coming in as fast. First of all, when you first decide to enter this plane of existence, you choose your challenges. At, le- at least that's my belief. So when I'm looking at someone's birth chart, I see the I see the aspects to the planets. I see the houses that they're in. And I also see which planets are direct and which ones are retrograde. During this lifetime, this do- that doesn't mean that you are less than. Everyone has the same abilities. It's just they have to uh, learn different techniques over time to access the same universal energy of consciousness. So back to Uranus, where it's a higher vibration of Mercury, it's universal consciousness flashes of brilliance. Someone who has this retrograde in their chart is going to have to work harder to receive that. So if that's natally an aspect in your chart, when that happens during during a transit, then your flashes of brilliance are going to start to come in faster they're going to be coming with a little bit more clarity because uh, the retrograde together is kind of like a double negative making a positive, I I guess. It's kind of like unlocking the keys, allowing you to operate uh, at your natural capacity. It's also a wonderful time to learn a little bit more how to access that energy, if that makes sense. It does. That is fascinating. I feel like you could spend a lifetime just studying your own chart. Oh my, you know, I've been, I've been doing astrology since uh, I was 13 years old, way before the internet. I'm now 44, soon to be 45. (laughs) Unbelievable. And uh, I will tell you every, every time I look at my chart, I see something different. And I love that because 
it's almost as if, actually I shouldn't say almost as if, it is that we learn something about ourselves at the exact right time. And when we're supposed to use that information to learn something else about ourselves, to unravel the mysteries of ourselves. So things that I didn't notice before that I notice now, I wasn't ready for that information 10 years ago, (laughs) but I'm ready for the information now. It's just this, your own birth chart is the universe of your soul. And it's just so intriguing and interesting. Wow. It really is. And you're right. Everything is revealed to us at the perfect time when we're ready to receive it. So if anyone is listening to this and they're feeling a little overwhelmed by all this information and and they want to know more, how can they get a reading with you? You can find me at thankgoddess.org, my website uh, for readings. And then also uh, I do have a Patreon community. It's called the Moon Lodge. I have a group of women that uh, as a collective where we go through this energy on a daily basis. I, I write moon forecasts for the week, explain the energy that's presented to us and how you can navigate it rather than hide from it uh, because we can use it as uh, soul tools to you know for self-development. That's found on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash moon lodge. Uh, and that also has a private Facebook group that has live daily practice and we have herbal, we have yoga. Um, I'm on with tarot and astrology and, uh, we just added uh, some readers and, and, uh, and crystal, uh, knowledge. So it's, it's a lot of fun. People can kind of, uh, talk about their experience. And I find that there's so much medicine in each other's stories and experiences ju- just in sharing. That sounds really lovely and very, um, sounds like you get a lot for what you sign up for. Yeah. It, I, I really wanted to have a community where people felt okay to be a beginner. Okay. To speak their voice. You know, if, if we start a lesson in, in, in something, you know, whatever divination practice we're doing, uh, I encourage everyone to try their hand at it or, uh, you know, post a video about what they're doing. And it's, it's, I have learned so much being within this group of women. It's really helped over this powerful eclipse energy over this last year to really go deep within myself to, to, to find where I'm moving forward in, in authentic worth. And you're always the student. Uh, and when you kind of lose sight of that, you're never really learning anything anymore. So it's, it, it's been a great experience. And I want to validate that as a member of that community, I'm kind of an invisible member, but I'm there. <laughs> and what I love absolutely adore is that you hold space beautifully to keep out any competition or one upmanship or you know no one is is overriding anyone else in that group it's absolutely beautiful and it is it's amazing to see how spirit is bringing everyone together to collaborate and work cohesively they're bringing their individual practices but also working in this collective energy that's absolutely incredible Thank, so you, thank you for, for, for bringing that to fruition for all of us. It's incredible. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Everyone, we hope you have enjoyed this and we hope it's given you lots of information, things to think about, but also a big dose full of hope because 2022 is going to be a much better year. So thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on today and sharing all of this with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I love you guys so much. Right back at you too. Yes. And we will put links to your website and your Patreon page in our show notes. In the meantime, everybody, please always remember to show up, do great work and share your light. Take care.